Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We got another listener's choice, Bobby. We uh, we had a really good article forwarded along to us uh, for the Harvard Business Review. For those of you that aren't subscribed to it or aren't familiar with it, it's hbr.org. It's um, it's really good. It's um, it's worth signing up for their newsletter. They've got really well uh, constructed articles and really well thought out, very business relevant. It's 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 a must read for me uh, every week. Um, and they've, and they've, they've forwarded along an article. This is actually from, I think, like 2014. This is an old article. But uh, I, for me, Bobby, this is really relevant. I, it, was a, it was a good week, but it was a challenging week. It was, it was full of some conflict, uh, which I guess is effectively kind of part of our job. Uh, part of our job. Um, yep. And so I always love the, the psychology behind it and um, uh, being more intentional about how I approach these types of arguments or disagreements. Um, and again, just kind of more studying the psychology behind this. Yeah, the, it's a good article. Um, lots of cool content and scenarios we'll discuss today. Pretty short article, but one with uh, quite a bang for the buck. Um, for me, I, I've probably been emotional most of my sales career, and anytime conflict like this happens, um, whether it's a disagreement with an employee or just uh, getting fired up about something, I probably react with emotion more than I should. And these are some pretty good steps that have been shared with me through mentorship conversations over and over in, in nuggets, but this kind of condenses it all into one one piece of paper and everybody should read it. Indeed, indeed. And I think what we, we probably find as... I, everyone I think that listens is uh, is striving to achieve to be uh, great in their profession and great in what they do, and I think along with that comes conflict. So I think we're we're probably going to be more uh, predisposed to predisposition, I should say, to uh, to encounter these types of things. And I think being able to navigate these waters will make you a more effective uh, business leader or individual contributor. Um, so again, thought this was really relevant for the podcast and something that's really, uh, close to me given the, uh, challenging week I had this week. Um, so at the first point they talk about in here is instead of, um, trying to what we, what we typically do and what causes an argument to escalate is instead of trying to understand what's really happening in the disagreements, we focus our efforts on advocating for our position. And I'm, this is, there are many that I'm very guilty of. This is one I'm probably most guilty of instead of trying to, um, you know, I try to reframe the issue. I try to focus on myself being right and who, who's wrong rather than, and, and advocate for my position in that rather than, uh, truly articulating back to them what their points are and where, and where they're coming from, um, which causes them to kind of want to refocus and re restructure their argument because they feel like I'm not hearing them. Um, and that's, I, I know that's basic, but when you're in the heat of the moment, sometimes that's not super basic. Yeah, that's that. And, and all that does is continue to make the emotions grow and grow and grow. Um, it It's real though. It's hard. Normally in these conversations, we're trying to convince someone 
no matter convince someone of whatever it is, right? Whether they need our products and services, if it's a customer, whether it's an internal team that just won't help us get through with a deal, whether it's a partner that we have conflict with, what are we disagreeing on? It's it's either one or the other, and and that's where we naturally tend to start to fight for our side. And I'm I'm guilty of you know embellishing. Uh, overstating kind of exaggerating right to try and win and then that's just going to continue to grow the frustration on the other side of the table or other side of the conversation and it just makes things worse and worse yeah i and they mentioned they mentioned something in here too about like our the discomfort um even if you're used to conflict even if you're good at dealing with conflict the discomfort can cause us to fumble over our words and to say things that we don't mean which goes back to one of the very first principles, which is is just taking a taking a deep breath and collect taking the time to to collect your thoughts. Uh, it it feels like at the moment this is something I need to take head on. I need to address it head on. I need to address it immediately. That's that isn't the best time to do it. Uh, now, of course, there are some time sensitive things, and sometimes you'll be forced into a situation where you've got to make a quick decision or give feedback very quickly. So sometimes you don't have the opportunity to take a deep breath and to and to let it relax. But if you're fumbling over words, if you're um, trying to defend a position that you haven't really even thought out well, you're going to end up on the wrong side of that argument, and you're not going to ultimately get out of it what you're trying to get out of it too. And Bobby, third, there's often a misalignment between what we mean when we say something and what the other person hears, um, which. You know, the quote is, uh, it doesn't matter what your, if your intent is honorable, if your impact is not. Uh, you have any decent examples here? <laughs> uh, the, how long can we make the show? Probably have plenty. Um, this is one where it's the old pass the word kind of thing, or someone interprets the words you say in a very different way than what you mean them, you know. Um, a lot of that has to do with uh, tone and kind of inference that you may have. Just your body language and emotion might change the way they take something. And I think it could be where praise is taken, a sarcasm, etc. In the aviation world, this is a this is a big one when you're trying to teach someone how to fly a plane. You, people that are instructors kind of get complacent on. They know all the details. They know all the words. They know how things work at a different level than a student can. And they say something and the student's almost embarrassed or afraid to say, I don't understand. So they just say, I understand. And they really don't understand. And then that could get them in a whole lot of trouble um, when they're at 5,000 feet and don't know really what that thing meant. Um, and the same thing with big airliners. When when captains and first officers talk, if if they were taught a different way or from different cultures, it, it could it can really impact what their understanding is. Um, so one that is definitely what resonates with me, um, but you, you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes, and that's where you got to restate things. Like, did you mean it this way? Are you saying this? Are you trying to get to me in this way? Because a lot of times it's not, and but we react, and then it's the defending and the fighting and the arguing, and uh, it really meant nothing like we took it as, and that's the big problem. Yeah, and everyone wants to restate their positions. They don't feel like they're being heard. And around and around we go. And it's amazing, like, no matter how many times I've read the Dale Carnegie book and I read these great articles, when you're in the heat of the battle, sometimes this stuff is really difficult to recall and and uh, and act on. So um, she's got kind of three points here that uh, – three approaches to um, 
land on an effective argument. And and these three things are the things that you can take away from this podcast and this article to say, okay, next time in the, I'm in the heat of the battle, I'm going to remember these three things. Just remember these three things. It, it, I have been trying in the last few days since I read the article and preparing for this podcast to take this to heart and to use it. And I, I've done a pretty good job, Brian. It's going to slip away, but I think I've done a pretty good job. Nice. First one is say nothing. So if your emotion level is high, the first task is to take some of the emotion out of it. And this goes back to really the first point is the discomfort can make us fumble over our words and say things that we don't mean in a, in a act of, in an act of quick response. Um, but it means just sitting back and letting someone vent a little bit and, and really truly seek to understand the position that they're taking by saying things like, I get that. I understand. Um, avoid saying anything that feels like you're, you know, uh, assigning, you know, blame or um, calm down or, hey, what you need to understand is this. If you can, if you can do this without judging, you'll have a, a far more productive conversation or at least you'll start the argument in a more productive way. No doubt. And this is not just in verbal cues either. This is body language, man. I, mm-hmm. as a young uh, a young whippersnapper who wanted to excel my career quickly, I could probably say just as much through my snarky facial expressions and smirks and rolling my eyes than I could any other way, right? So when this, when you say, say nothing, this is with body language. And what I've tried to do after reading this article, I have tried to be stoic and make just direct eye contact. Um, and just stay very focused on what they're saying and not try to be emotional. I've said nothing with my face, I've said nothing with my body, and I've said nothing with my mouth. And I'd really try to articulate in my brain what are they trying to get across to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do things like uh, my bad habits are I'll cross my arms. I'll kind of seem disengaged, you know, like I got better things to do than to than to argue this or fight this, which clearly does not uh, land on this first principle of, of kind of seeking to understand their position and, and letting them uh, vent a little bit. In fact, it, it probably creates a little bit more of an infuriating situation on their end because they feel like, again, they're having to explain something to me. Yeah, that'd be like you putting your hand up down <laughs> in their face and just, you know, make them say nothing. Uh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Sometimes I really, well, most of the time I really feel that way. <laughs> the second point is ask questions. Uh, it's better to ask questions than to make statements and again that does go back to the very first point like you're you're truly trying to seek to understand their position in this and and you by you can show them that you're seeking to understand their position by asking those questions um do you have any good example follow-up questions on that uh if you're looking to yeah i think uh i think it's really for me in in some current situations that are going on it's really trying to to seek out the true root of a cause of a problem, um, both with an emotional thing and then both with a work thing. Like, how, how did how did that person think that where we're at is okay, or how do we got to this point? Um, and how do they see the situation now? How how do they interpret it? And how do they see a recovery or a bounce back from it? I can just I could just complain. I could just try to prove my side of it, but if they just listen and don't hear what I'm having to say or don't understand it in the same situ- the same perspective, then we're still going to work towards a different cause or outcome. And uh, that's where the questions come into play. 
Now, the, this this can get pretty snarky as well if you're not yes. careful. So do it with sincerity. Do it with the bigger picture in mind and the goal of trying to solve for the problem um, because this can backfire on you pretty quick too. Yeah, I use this instead of – I use it more to restate uh, the argument. So I'll say, you know, I'll say, so what I hear you saying is this um, – and then sometimes, and then I, I kind of use that with a question mark at the end, as if like, is that what you're trying to say? Is that what you're trying to express? Uh, number three is own your part. Uh, don't act like there's only one viewpoint of the problem at hand. So you need your own perception. So when you when you're stating your positions, you have to start sentences with "I," uh, not "you." It will help. It, it will help them kind of understand and see your perspective and understand that you're not trying to blame for them for the problem. You're trying to help them see your perspective on things. Uh, so an example of that here in the article is that you must be uncomfortable. Uh, say, I'm feeling pretty uncomfortable. Don't don't try to... Um, people feel like, rightly or wrongly, rightly, probably, that, they're, that you don't understand their emotions. You can't peg their emotions. So don't try to peg their emotions. It's just going to upset them, but instead try to express uh, where you're coming from and, and how that impacts you emotionally. I find this works at the beginning of one of those conversations. Like you normally you you're frustrated. You're going to meet with someone. You want to bring that frustration up. You kind of tiptoe around the conversation for a while when you first start the conversation. And I find that this is kind of a good segue into that the deeper part of the conversation where there is going to be a discussion or argument or disagreement you know hey i've struggled with how i feel about this i'm uncomfortable right now about what i'm about to say i don't know how we got to this point but we've got to get something resolved how do you feel about x y and z right what do you think about how this opportunity is moving or not moving through the pipeline um i thought we had agreement on uh, the fact that you wouldn't do X and you're doing X, like what's going on? How did we get to this point? You know, it really diffuses uh, kind of the bigger disagreement, but gives you the opportunity to be that person that's owning your part first. And then normally they'll come back with some of their emotion or some of the reasons, reasonings of how they got to that point. Yep. All right. So let's talk about a few scenarios here. Uh, I thought these were good and kind of lined up to our uh, industry and just really business in general. So the first scenario is you've got a criticism or a dissent to offer, and maybe this is something, um, you know, a project or a pursuit that people are largely in agree in agreement with, or maybe you know, let's say it's a, you know, maybe it's a marketing campaign. You know, it, it certainly in these times, Bobby, <clears throat> in these times, Bobby, there are like there are a ton of. You know, the tech companies are obviously trying to find out what, how do we market to customers? What events are we going to do? And all that kind of stuff. And there's, there are, there's more than ever now kind of conflict as to what makes sense. Like what, what kind of campaigns make sense to run right now in this kind of COVID uh, madness time here. Um, and so let's say that you've got one of those scenarios coming up and somebody, you know, they think that this is a perfect time to run campaign X. And a lot of people believe that this is a good time to run campaign X. Um, maybe even you got leaders or directors that are saying, "Hey, you need to run campaign X." Uh, so it's a it's an opinion that's kind of largely agreed on, um, and you you want to kind of push back on this. You don't think it is the right time. 
So they get some good talking points in here of kind of how to address that. So uh, the example is here, Sam, I, you know, and we'll kind of align it to the marketing piece. I want to understand why we're trying to, you know, I want to understand what we're trying to accomplish with this initiative, with this marketing initiative. Can we go back to the beginning and explain the reasoning behind why we put all this together? And, and, and what are we trying to get done here? And because I think sometimes, certainly in this marketing case example, um, someone feels like, I just need to act. I need to do something. Although that something isn't a really well thought out structure. And if you go back to the root of it, back to the very beginning of it, you can start to, to understand why they were looking to put this together in the first place. And if they're, if they're, maybe they're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist, you know, and, and you can, if you can get back to the root of it, then you can better kind of dig up and, and understand kind of the root cause behind it. Yeah, that, maybe it's, it's a twist on the scenario, but I've often seen this where people people have an idea, they start something out like this, and they the beginning part was they were going to own a lot of that work and do a lot of that work, and then it ends up being the field or somebody else that's doing a lot of that work, and and people they get they get more discontent, and that would be a good way to stay, restate and say, hey, I thought this was how we were going to run this, and it doesn't feel like we're running it this way. You know, it, it, it's a way to kind of take a step back and start that conversation over. Yeah, and it'll help them. It, it'll help them if they've got a really well thought out position or reason behind it. It gives them a chance to defend why it's being put together uh, in a way. And you're not you're not attacking what the execution is. You're you're, re- you're really seeking to understand the genesis of it to begin with. So uh, that's uh, that's a good one and a really common one right now. Um. All right. Another scenario is uh, you approach a coworker about something he or she messed up. Uh, so you don't, you know, you don't want to clearly launch into the messed up person uh, or the, to the messed up scenario right away. But you want to ask permission to about, you know, to talk about kind of what happened. The venue here is incredibly important too. Obviously, this is something that's much better in kind of a one-on-one follow-up scenario. Um, and start off with kind of, hey, I'm confused about kind of why this happened, uh, why it occurred. I want to discuss about how we can move this forward. You know, I understand getting very specific. I understand that this happened. And then if that person sees that the situation, um, if they see it differently, uh, they can certainly disagree with your perspective. And you don't have to harp too long on all that. But uh but try to land on what are the common parts of the situation that you both agree on and then move forward. What can we do about this? How do we address this going forward? Rather than like harping and landing on like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. It's landing on what are the common parts of the situation that we agree on or the common parts of the problem that we agree on and then focusing then on how do we move forward. No doubt. And this is one where for myself, I've struggled more peer to peer uh, having this type of a conversation or sales rep to partner, you know, somebody where it's like more of a teammate as a manager, it's a little bit easier to kind of give this feedback and, and point out a problem or something that wasn't handled the right way. Um, but it's still going to be a blow to that person. And what I found works or has worked in the past for me is to make sure they know it's okay to bring that to me when they do mess up, right? Like, this is the first time you have this conversation with a rep that works for you or a teammate that's uh, maybe below you that, that you have this conversation. You say, look, next time you make a mistake, just bring it to me. Don't let me find out about it or see it from my lens. 
we're going to recover from these things. You're not going to get fired over this mistake, but we got to we got to nip it in the bud and, and and move forward, kind of thing. It'll enable them to feel like they can come to you before you have to find it out on your own. Yep. Uh, all right, the next one here, and this is one I, I kept it I kept it in as a discussion point because maybe it maybe this is something that um, maybe it's just something that doesn't come up with me or much, or I, I don't care about this as much, but maybe someone does. So I thought it would be maybe good for them to hear. Uh, but this is um, you approach a colleague about feeling uh, mistreated, or you've uh, you're upset about something that he or she has said about you, or or kind of done perhaps behind your back. And so, hey, it's, you know, you know, again, the scenario here could be, hey, maybe they they said something behind your back in the workplace or they thought your idea was bad and they said it to somebody else and it somehow made its way back to you. And um, it, so the approach back to that person could be, hey, it's a little bit awkward for me to approach you about this, but I heard this is what you said. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I thought I should come to you direct because I thought we should talk about it direct. Um so the focus here is less about blaming the other person, uh, but really more sharing your feelings and working to get to a resolution about it. Uh, again, this is one that I don't, maybe I, for better or for worse, I don't, that doesn't bother me. I don't really care uh, about things that are said in the background. Um, but if that does bother you, if that is something that gets under you and it festers, then um, you know, addressing it in this kind of circumstance would be uh, appropriate. Yeah, I've, I haven't. I've got a pretty thick skin. I'm sure something's made me mad or frustrated me, but I've seen this be more in play as a sales manager in the team. The teammate, the teammate one comes to me and says, "I heard teammate two said this about me. Have you heard that?" And it just creates this kind of rumor mill. That's something you you should nip in the bud and, and find a way to solve for quickly, because that could create a lot of anxiety on the team and really set you back from a point that you can't make your numbers and. So, so just address it. Uh, don't don't let it grow. Don't make it grow, uh, and try and find the best way for you and your situation to address it and clear the air. It's a good point. Approaching it from that standpoint is probably probably more common for me. So, I, my approach there with the team, I've got a team full of a team and extended team full of Type A hard work and hard driving men and women and. Uh, the conflict occurs, of course, like you'd expect it. In fact, I would be a little bit disappointed if there wasn't emotion, you know, like uh, drive. And uh, what I what I always try to get to there, because we do have conflict that arises, and um, it's it's good. It's it's certainly not bad. It's not certainly not character flaws at all. Um, what I try to focus on in those situations is helping them understand that person's heart because I, at the end of the day as a team we all trust each other's heart and we all trust each other's intentions and so if I can boil it down to that level if they feel like something was said you know that that was disrespectful or if they feel like hey this deal should be mine or this pursuit should I should be a part of this pursuit um, instead of like getting too focused on the tactics of that deal or that pursuit I try to instead focus on Hey, look. Here's the here's the perspective they're coming from. Here's their heart. Here's where you know they're coming from, and then I can see this is your heart and this is where you're coming from. And I just try to boil them both down to a person, and then I find that if we can get to that point, we can have a, a much more honest conversation um, about you know what the deal is, what the pursuit is, and we can uh, we can move it forward. 
Uh, but those those situations do come up. I can definitely see it from that perspective. And and when you share that scenario, I start thinking about the partners. You know, partners get you're always partners you're always worried about the from the team. I am worried about the partners, Brian. Somebody's got to be a partner advocate. I just think that the team they start talking amongst themselves and so and so did this and they cut me out of my deal and they put more of their product on there than they said they would do it and that partner sucks and it just snowballs into this image of this partner that they're ruthless and i think that that's where uh, a lot of times partners get a bad rap and yeah. the the story can grow and that can fester and those things need to be cleared as well so yeah it's good luck partners i'm here to help it's hard, man. It was hard coming uh, when we when we left Microsoft to go uh, expand Sparkhound. Um, being on the other side of that table is is different, for sure, for sure. All right, uh, the last scenario we'll talk about here is um, you're managing someone that engages in conflict regularly and is annoying or upsetting other people on your team. Have you ever, Bobby, in your years of managing people, had somebody that uh, while they're a type A, they're a get it done kind of person. They, they're an achiever. Uh, are they? But they're regularly in conflict. Have you ever managed that personality? Uh, yes. Once or twice. Many of them. Once or twice. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think I, I do approach this one very similarly in, to the scenario previously. And um, I, I say things like, and, I, and it has to, again, all this stuff has to be true and has to be from the heart, but. Hey, look, I love having you around. Uh, you raise important points. Uh, you feel strongly about them. They're typically really well thought out. And I, I know your heart, and I know that the, it's really well-intentioned where you're coming from, too. Um, but we got to talk about the impact that it, that passion is having uh, because it can be, you know, toxic is probably the wrong word if you're looking to give them feedback. But you can talk about kind of some of the um, outcomes that that's uh, leading to. No doubt, no doubt. I think that uh, this might be something that's difficult to do um, because of the way the team reacts, and that you're not just you're not just dealing with that one person. Um, it can it can take a situation from somewhat upsetting to you, you could have a whole team against you in a short period of time for sure. No doubt, no doubt. All right, so uh, again, this is from the Harvard Business Review. Uh, this is choosing the right words in an argument. Uh, it's hbr.org. It's absolutely worth uh, signing up for to, uh, to up your game. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks for forwarding along this article. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming up, Bobby. We've got a lot of Q&A coming up, and then we've got a uh, special guest that we'll have here on the show here in a couple weeks as well. So with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, average is the enemy. Don't be average. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.